Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good day, everyone. This is Tony Moskal with your high school sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for everyone. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Did somebody say playoffs? The NHL playoffs completed this week with the Tampa Bay Lightning taking home Lord Stanley's Cup. The NBA and Major League Baseball are in full swing with the NBA Finals starting this week. The Lakers and LeBron take on the Miami Heat. Can LeBron win another ring and become the first person to win three championships with three different teams? Or will Jimmy Butler and the Heat prove to be too much for the Lakers? Take full advantage of sports being back and get in on the action with hundreds of odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. Like I said last week and the week before, my big bet is the New York Giants, my favorite football team, will be eliminated from the playoffs shortly. And they are on the right track with an 0-3 start, soon to be 0-4, as they will lose to the Rams this week. So head to betonline.ag today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your sportsbook experts. As promised, I'm trying to bring a variety of sports and athletes to the podcast. Some sports don't get the coverage others get. So this week, we're going to get away from the ones that get all the coverage and give some well-deserved publicity to those that put in the miles. And, well, I don't really know how to say this. Run with a straight face for fun. Uh, joining me is probably the best female cross-country runner in the state of California, Crescenta Valley senior and recent University of Virginia commit, Mia Barnett. Mia, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. You know, most kids, adults, people, we, we hate running. And, you know, you guys do it for fun. This is something that you you do multiple times every day during the week. How did, how did you get involved in, in running? Right. So I've always um, been in a sport all my life. Um, I did soccer for most of my life. Um, I started when I was really little. I did volleyball. I did figure skating at one point. Um, and I just loved sports. And, you know, I was getting really into soccer. I was playing club soccer. And I was thinking, you know, I want to go to college for this. But um, one of my coaches, this was for my school team, said, you know, I think you should really try cross country because um, I was very quick on the field. And so um, I decided to give it a try. And <laughs> I wasn't a fan my first race. I'll tell you that. Um, I was like, this is so hard. I, When the gun went off, I went sprinting as hard as I could. I didn't know what pacing was like or anything like that. So I just tired myself from the beginning. But I did fairly well for my first race. And so um, you know, my coach was like, you know, I think you should really pursue cross country. Um, I made it to junior Olympics. My, this was in eighth grade. Um, and I was like, you know, I don't think it's for me, but then track season came around. And then my dad was like, Mia, I think you should try track. And I was like, no, there was just too much nerves in cross country. Um, it was just too hard. It was boring compared to soccer. Like, I don't know. Um, but then he was like, I think you should try it. And in the back of my mind, like there was something really fun about finishing a race is what I remembered. And I just didn't want to have a regret. Like I didn't give this a shot. So, you know, I decided to try track. And from the first race, I fell in love with it. 
Um, I thought it was super fun. Um, I love the competitive energy and, um, you know, I went really far in my first track season for being in eighth grade. And, um, and then I think that made me excited about cross country. And so then I just fell in love with, um, training hard and working to be my very best. Um, and yeah, that's how I got into it. And so right around eighth grade, you found out that you were going to be successful. What kind of clicked with you with it, with running and winning? Did you say to yourself, wow, I I could really have a future in this because I am winning all these races and achieving so much success? Yeah. So that's actually like the reason why I quit soccer um, in eighth grade. I saw that, you know, I could probably go farther in running than I could in soccer. And um, this college opportunity just seemed to be more there. So, yeah, I think for running, just seeing yourself improve after every race, is just, there's nothing like it. It's so exciting. Um, and, you know, I just saw way more opportunities within running. So that's why I stuck with it and love it. Your high school career has been filled with nothing but success. You're from your freshman year all the way up until now your senior year. You've you've won so much. You've been so successful. A lot of athletes get that that big head, that that big ego. But when I was talking to your coach Rob Evans, he said you don't have that. How have you kept a level head and a a type of humility throughout the years with all the success you've had? Um, to be honest, I don't know. Maybe I just don't see myself as you know that great outstanding athlete amongst the state. I think I just see myself as an athlete trying to improve um, every race, like just like any other runner is trying to do. Um, And yeah, I think also I just do this more like just for myself and to um, see myself improve. So that's why um, that's probably how I do it. But yeah. (laughs) And, And that's great because all you're doing is you're just kind of worrying about yourself and not saying, oh, I have to do this, I have to do this, oh, I'm reading all my press clippings like a lot of people do. You just seem to be the type of person that goes out and runs and you win and that's just kind of the icing on the cake. Right. I think racing, a lot of races, like my best ones, are just like surprises to me. Like I didn't force, you know, the races where I tried to force things to happen just don't always go as planned. But the races where I get to surprise myself and I go into them calmly, um, I usually do the best, like CIF section, CIF Southern section, my freshman year, um, you know, I didn't, or just my whole freshman year in general, like I didn't really have a certain goal in mind. I just wanted, I'm competitive naturally. And, um, I just went in there just knowing to do my best. And, um, that race definitely, those races, my freshman year definitely worked out. Um, any race where I like really try to force myself to get serious about it, um, just, I would usually crack under pressure or not do so well. And then have to learn from that and grow from that. Same thing with Foot Locker West. Um, you know, I was kind of going into it with like a more calm mindset. Like if I get in, I get in, but if I don't, I have track season around the corner. Little did I know I wasn't going to have one, but, um, but that race I ended up winning. So I think there's just something about being not forcing it to happen all that much and just trusting in your training and, trusting your competitive state when you get into the race. A lot of people set goals for themselves and and I'll, I'll talk about track cross country. Hey, I need to run this time. I need to beat this person. I need to do this. 
Did you set any of those for yourself or from what you just told me, it seemed like your goal was just to go out and run, relax, and kind of let the chips fall where they may. And fortunately for you, the chips have been falling in in nothing but success. Right. So my first two years of high school, I never really set a specific goal. Um, I just kind of let the chips fall where they may, like you said. Um but then, you know, approaching my junior year, I definitely started to set more goals for myself. I was like, okay, I've seen what I can do um, off of the training I did my freshman and sophomore year, but now it's time to really get super serious about it. And um, I mean, I didn't have the opportunity to race this season, but I'm kind of going into my senior year with that approach, um, approaching it like I am going to have a season and I'm definitely gotten more serious about it. Um and yeah, I think those just first two years of high school, I was just kind of having more fun with it and seeing where I could go. And But now I think I'm at that point where I'm like, I'm very serious about doing very well um, on the state level. And, you know, my training has gotten more serious and all of that. But um, it's been really fun exploring this new journey in my high school running career. So would you say the first two years where, where you achieved a lot of success, you were just kind of that innocent kid that was out there running and you just happened to be really good at it. You didn't really understand the impact or the the how well you, how good you were. Yeah. So I always like look back at my freshman year, thinking, "Oh, it was so much fun." Because my goals going into my freshman track season, well, I had no goals really. Um, I was just put into whatever race, whatever heat I was fit into, and. Um, I, every race I was surprising myself. I was like, okay, I would like to break. I ran like a 438, 1500 at the winter state meet. And I was like, whoa, I just surprised myself because that would have converted to a sub five mile. And I didn't know I could do that. So if I'm in a mile. Um, and so then I had Azusa meet of champions and I was like, okay, let's try to actually break five um, in the mile and not just like the converted 1500 and then I ran a 453 and I was just surprising myself every week and then eventually I was like okay let's you know this is good <laughs> I'm okay with this is a really good time for my freshman year um but then CIF Southern Section came around and um I ran a 440 I ran a 446 like out of nowhere and then a 1027 following and you know those were all just very surprising races back to back to back and then eventually podium at state um, those, again, I didn't force any of that to happen. It just kind of did. And I'm very grateful that it did happen like that. Um, but you know, it was so fun and not saying like, I didn't work hard or anything for those, but they definitely were just more surprises for me. Like I didn't know I was capable of doing that at that time, you know, and it was honestly one of the most exciting things I've ever experienced. Did it motivate you to think that, wow, I can run these times. I can win these races. I can compete at this high level. Were you shocked at your success or was it something that you expected? Um, I would definitely say my freshman year is more like a shock. And then my sophomore year is more like, this is what I expected. Um, because I was just like looking back at my times, my freshman year. And then, you know, my sophomore year, I was like, okay, this is, this is what I expected. Um, I was actually a little bit underwhelmed with my sophomore season um, in track I definitely, I PR'd in all my events, but it wasn't like a massive PR or anything, but, um, I was still proud of like the accomplishments I made and the podium finishes I, I made at state and stuff. So, um, yeah. 
What events do you run in track? Because cross country, it's pretty easy to figure out. There's one course, it's three miles, it's however many miles. Okay, everybody, gun goes off, boom, run. What do you do in track? Mile, two mile, 800? Um, I do all three. I would definitely say I focused more on the mile and two mile. Um, freshman and sophomore year, I never really, I did the 800, but never at like competitive meets. So um, this past season, junior season, I was planning on, doing the 800 more and trying to lower that time. Um, but, you know, I didn't get a season. So I think this next track season, I'm going to focus a little bit more on the 800 and mile and on the speed side of things. So I can just be a more well-rounded athlete. Um, over quarantine, I did run a solo 213, 800, which was my PR. Um, but I definitely want to lower that time a lot more. That is amazing. And you've won so many races at so many levels, so many invitationals. Your freshman year, you finish in first place in six events, including the CIF finals and prelims. Your sophomore year, same thing. You know, your junior year, you're, you're winning all these races. Is there a secret to your success or is this just something that comes naturally and you can, you know, say that you're just very good at this? Are you just really good at this? Um. I don't know if there is a secret, to be honest. Um, I've had many different training groups and many different, you know, I haven't had like a stability or a stable training group um, until I got to Crescenta Valley. But um, I don't know. I think maybe just staying calm when you get to the starting line and not letting yourself, you know, get in your own head is probably what has helped me whenever I have won a race, not to say like I haven't had races where I've had mental breakdowns. I definitely have. But um, I think for all those races that I have done well, it's just staying calm, staying relaxed. And I don't know, just trusting your ability and trusting um, your competitiveness going into it. What do you do to stay calm? I know a lot of people, they'll listen to music, they'll do breathing exercises. They'll, they'll visualize themselves running the race, you know, going over the course, here's where I need to do this, here's where I need to run this this way or whatever. What is it that you do pre-race that helps relax you to get you in that zone? Um, I, I do try to visualize myself running fast, but I try to not think about it until the day of the race. Um, I would definitely say the night, it's actually for me, the night before the race is when I get the most nervous. But when I get to the race, there's more of like this calm feeling, like I know what I have to do. Um, you know, it's it's going to happen. It's inevitable at this point. Um, you're going to get to the starting line and you're just going to go. But just kind of trusting your instincts and trusting that, um, you, you know, you just know what to do. Like you've prepared for that moment. So mm-hmm. what motivates you? Just the fact that you have that desire to get better. For sure. Um, what motivates me, yeah, is definitely to improve my times. Um, and, you know, you kind of just sense that you can do more when you're practicing, when you're racing. Like whenever you, whenever I finish a race, I'm always like, oh, I'm excited for the next one um, just to see if I can improve more. And I just think there's like a certain high you get from like um, winning a race or PRing from a race. And so I think just that feeling is motivating, but also um, college is another very motivating factor. Um, I did the sport because I wanted to go run, do a sport collegiately. And so, um, yeah, I think that's what's mainly motivated myself. Were your parents athletes at all or brothers and sisters that were athletes? No. um, 
my, yeah, neither of my parents are actually really athletes. Um, they're, we love sports. Like we watch like a bunch of sports and my dad's like sports crazy. <laughs> um, but no, none of them really did any sports in college or high school. Well, none of them went to college, but, um, yeah. And then I have a younger brother and he plays baseball. So, um, yeah, I'm like the first in my family to go to a college for a sport. That's excellent. Now, out of all of these races and all of these competitions that you've been involved in since eighth grade, was there one specifically where you realized, wow, I can be really, really good at this if I put the work in? Um, definitely CIF Southern Section freshman year. Um, that's when I ran a 446. My PR previous to that was a 453. Um, and then I ran like two hours later, I ran a 1027, 3200. That's when I, you know, my times got put on like the national stage. I think I was ranked 15 in like the nation in the mile that year. And like number two out of all freshmen. Um, so I think that race just really motivated me to keep going. And then it, my, my mind just kept going. I was like, okay, now I want to break this time. I want to break this time. Um, and I eventually want to break 440. I think that would be awesome um, within my high school career. Uh, so, yeah. That's, that's insane. And how that motivates you and you look at it and you think, wow, I just want to do better. So you ran at the Foot Locker National Meet against top girls in the country. Mm -hmm. How did that experience help you or change your mindset for competing at a higher level? Right. So Foot Locker West, um, again, was a super just surprising, shocking meet. Um, another one where I just like kind of went into it, not a, setting a certain goal for myself, but just letting it happen. Um, and then that just made me so excited, especially for cross country, because I was always viewing myself as like a track person. But then that race got me really excited for cross country. Um, and then when I got to... I'm going to be honest, I got to the national meet and um, I didn't do well. Um, but then that kind of started, a sparked a little fire for me to do really well in cross country. I was like, okay, I don't want to be known as just a good track runner or, you know, just good at running on flatter surfaces. Like I want to be good at both events or both sports. So um, that race definitely sparked a little fire in me. And I really hope Full Locker happens this year because I would love to go redeem myself on um, Balboa park course um but yeah you know I look back at that race and there were several things I did wrong um like just I didn't prepare myself the way I normally do you know you're at this really cool hotel like with a bunch of athletes and you're kind of having fun and then for me it was I didn't get into the racing mindset like I normally do so you know looking back I learned some things and now I want to apply the things I learned um, this coming year, if we do have a Foot Locker, and I'm really crossing my fingers that we do, because I would love to redeem myself. But actually, that's like one thing I've learned from this whole coronavirus is to not just take any race lightly. Um, I think that's something I'm going to be applying to every race is to race like it's my last or like I won't be able to race anymore. Because, you know, when you're a sophomore, junior, you think, okay, I have another season, I have another race, it's okay. But, you know, this season got canceled and then I no longer <laughs> who knows when the next time I'll be able to race is um until you know college so I think that's a new approach I'm going to be taking and probably race more with a chip on my shoulder because <laughs> I you know that got taken away from me and I 
would really like to um, just race my heart out every race now. Yeah, we never know. And and it's funny, the older you get, the the less you take things for granted. When you're young, you think, wow, I've got all this all this ahead of me. And then and this has just changed everybody's outlook, this this whole pandemic thing. And and I think in a good way and in a bad way, because like you said, you're not gonna take things for granted anymore. You're gonna go out and cherish every moment you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, definitely gonna make races, you know, sometimes leading into a race, you're like oh, this is going to be so hard. This is going to, you know, um, just be so difficult. But then now it's going to be like, I get to race. I'm excited to race. Um, and, you know, I might not always have those opportunities. So, yeah, I'm for sure going to be applying that to my races in the future. You're both track and cross country. Mm-hmm. What is the difference in training between your track season and your cross country season? Or is there a big difference? Yeah, so for track, it's definitely less mileage, but more speed focused. Um, for cross country, it was, I was okay. In track, I was running more like 30 miles a week, um, sometimes 35. For cross country, it'd be like 40 miles a week, um, sometimes 45, um, not that often though. Um, and for cross country, it's just more like longer runs, um, more tempo efforts, more threshold workouts, um, not always on a flat surface, um, running on dirt and yeah, looser surfaces. Um, so that would probably be the main difference in my training. Now, when you run on, on, and we'll talk cross country here for a sec, when you run on different types of courses, some are very flat and, and the hard surfaces, some are hilly, some are a little more, you know, sandy or, you know, that soft type of dirt. Do you do beach training or anything like that? Is there a place where you can change up your training and run on those different types of surfaces? Yeah, um, I don't usually run on sand or I don't do beach training, but I do I do switch it up. Um, I will go on flat surfaces. Um, There are some trails near me where like they can be very hilly, very steep and they're loose dirt. So I definitely switch it up. Um, accordingly. Now, when you, when you do that, I mean, is it when you're, you know, you're going to go into a hilly course, how long before that race do you start running hills or a flat course, or is it just something that you do year round? In cross country, it's more something you do year round. You kind of want to be prepared for any course. Um, Training wise, you know, you're not specifically training for one course, but to be more well-rounded, um, and I think that's something I want to focus more on this upcoming season is to be a little bit more well-rounded. Last year, I did actually have a really good Mount Sack um, race for myself, and I would like to come back and run even um, faster at like a Mount Sack because I think CIF Finals is going to be on Mount Sack, and um, you know I've typically viewed myself as like a 3200 girl where I would run on you know flat surfaces and run really fast. Um, like Foot Locker West when the course got rained out. So I think for, you know, cross country this year, I just want to see myself as more well-rounded and be able to handle any course that's being thrown at me and be able to run really fast. What's your strategy? And in, 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 in I don't know if there is a strategy when you run the mile or the the 32, well, I call it the two mile, but now it's the 3,200 or, or in a cross country race. Do you like to get out early? 
Do you like to kind of hang back? Are you stronger in the middle of the race or at the end of the race? And how do you plan out your strategy before you run? Um, I would say for track, like for the mile, um, I do like to make a later kick. Um, but I don't have a set strategy, to be honest. I have tried very different things. Um, you know, at Arcadia, I tried kicking with 500 meters to go. Um, that flopped. That was not a good idea. <laughs> um, and then, you know, at CIF finals, I kicked with 300 to go and that really worked. Uh, I ran a really fast last lap. Um, it just, I don't know. I kind of go off feeling. I would say I mostly like to kick at the end. Um, in cross country, I like to go out with the leaders because I feel, feel like if you kind of try to hang back, you might not ever get back to the top group. So I like to get out with the leaders and um, kind of play by ear. Um, if I have a kick at the end, I usually will out kick them at the end if, if it's working out, but yeah. Yeah. And it seems cross country. There are so many people out on the course. It's kind of like you're weaving in and out of people. And, and that, that could be, I don't know, troublesome. Not mm -hmm. that I've ever done that, but I don't like big crowds. Right. You know, my freshman year, I was told to go out and like, and this is at the state meet um, for cross country. I was told to go out in like 10th and try to work up from there. And I realized that was a big mistake because then you just don't view yourself as in the race and then um, you just get passed. And then, you know, you, I think it's good to give yourself a chance and go out with like the leaders um, in cross country, especially in track, you know, you have a lot of you have time to like make it up and it's a small group. So it's, you know, it's easy to inch up in cross country. It's not. So um, I definitely like to get out harder. And sometimes I even get out in the lead in cross country just to establish that confidence from the beginning. I did that at Foot Locker West. I went out in the lead and led for like the first like mile, maybe mile and a half. Um, and then I got passed by a couple girls. And then at the finish um, towards the finish, I um, passed all of them again. So you know, I think in cross country, it's good to establish yourself um, in the beginning. Um, so let's talk about now you're at Crescenta Valley. You were at Village Christian mm -hmm. and you decided to transfer to Crescenta Valley. What was the impetus behind you deciding to leave one school and go to another? So I always had Crescenta Valley in the back of my mind because um, I did the club that was attached to them my eighth grade year. And, you know, there was um, more of an emphasis on track and cross country than at Village Christian. So I always had it in the back of my mind, but then I just went to Village Christian because I went there my whole life. So I was like, you know, it's, it's going to work out. Um, and I was doing well in running. And then I got to my freshman year and I was running very well. And I'm like, you know what, this is working for me. I don't need to make any changes, you know? Um, and I had a training club I would go to, um, mostly in track, I would go to that training club. Um, and, you know, it was all working out for me. I didn't feel a need to make a change. Um, but then this past winter break, a lot of things happened all at once. Um, my coach at Village um, no longer was going to be coaching there. And my club coach also... Um, got a promotion for another job and moved away. So I was kind of left with no coach. And then um, I decided to make the move to Crescenta Valley. Um, 
it was always on my mind though. And I just felt like this was the time I was meant to do it. Um, and I felt the most, you know, ready to do it. I was like, okay, clearly things aren't working out (laughs) at Village. So I'm going to have to make this move. Um, and you know, and it's funny, I even like thought about it, go my beginning of junior year. I was like, I wonder if I should make a move to Crescenta Valley. But then I was like, you know, things, again, things are working out. There's no need to. Um, but then once that whole situation happened, I was like, okay, it's meant to happen now. How have you adapted to, you know, your new coach, your new teammates, even though, you know, the schools are, are pretty close together with, with Village being in the Sun Valley area and Crescenta Valley, obviously in Crescenta Valley. What was the most difficult part for you? Was it learning the, you know, getting adapted to a new coach or your teammates or the whole situation? I got to say, everyone made it a lot easier than people would expect. Like my coaches were so great from the beginning. Um, Teammates were great from the beginning. They were all very welcoming. Um, You know, I couldn't, I guess the challenge would be just being at such a big school comparatively to Village because Village was like, the high school was comprised of like 500 students. And then Crescenta Valley was like 2000 students. So I think just, I don't know, being around that many kids was definitely like a culture shock for me, but I wouldn't say there wasn't a super difficult part in transferring. It was pretty smooth from the beginning. Um, I did have like those fears. I'm like, oh my gosh, what if I'm like the kid who's like eating lunch in the bathroom, like first day of school? Cause I don't know. <laughs> but, um, the, I went to a morning practice like right before um, my first day of school and I got to know the girls on the team and um, they showed me around and were very sweet. And then you've got a great coach there with, with coach Evans, who I've known for a lot of years. Um, what's he been like for you as far as support and everything? Um, he's been amazing. Um, he's been in communication with me for, throughout this whole process before COVID uh, during COVID, um, he still stayed in contact and still checks up on me, um, and really individualizes my training according to how I'm feeling. So he's been great throughout this whole process. Um, it's been so nice having, um, a coach there that you can like just truly trust. You know, he said to me, and I read an article, he said, one of the first meetings they had with you, you talked about how you wanted to run on a distance relay team and not do something individual. And he said, it's not just the individual drive she has, but the drive to be a part of something greater and to contribute to something bigger than herself. Why was it so important to you that you jump in and run on a distance relay team instead of just kind of coming in and doing your own thing and easing your way into it? Um, I love relays. I think they're so much fun to watch. Um, I've always wanted to be a part of like a relay team. Um, you know, Village's team was really small, um, so I never got that opportunity. And I, I loved my team at Village. We were small, but we were mighty. <laughs> um, and I loved, you know, being there. But I think I also really wanted to be a part of a really big team. And then Crescenta Valley definitely does have more of, like, that stigma of being a distance running school. So, um, you know, being a part of the team, a bit a team culture, I was really, really excited to um, join. And it was honestly so much fun. <laughs> Did it help you become more feel yourself that now I'm really part of this team? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, are you talking about like the, re- like joining a relay? Yeah. The relay, the relay team and, and just becoming something different than just an individual runner. Yeah. Um, 
so I didn't get to race in a relay race because of, um, well, A, I had to, like, sit out half of the track season because of the CIF transfer rules. Um, and then, you know, COVID happened, so I didn't actually get to be a part of that. But even, like, approaching cross-country, I think it's just going to be so much fun being a part of a team and helping a team out. Um, and, you know, just seeing how far we can go. Um, and especially, you know, in such a competitive division, like Division One, I'm going to be coming from Division Five to Division One with, you know, Great Oak and all those really big teams. So um, I'm super excited for that. And, yeah, hopefully we'll have a season where I get to be a part of that. <laughs> And along with doing all of that, you're also very, very involved in your community doing charity work. What do you, and you work at the Dream Center mm-hmm. and in, in Crescenta Valley, if I am, if I am not mistaken, what was, why do you, a lot of kids don't do a lot of that, but a lot do. What was the reason that you wanted to go get involved and give back to your community? Well, I've been raised um, around the Dream Center my whole life. My parents um my father started it um along with my grandfather and you know so I've always been raised around it I've always you know in I was homeschooled in elementary till like fourth grade so then I would usually like you know go to the dream center a lot and um you know just participate in charity work but um and I've always like done it especially over the summers I would definitely spend time doing it um and especially now because of COVID, um, Dream Center had a food line and I got to be a part of it. And it gave me something, you know, I had found a lot of my purpose in running. Um, and then I got to find my purpose in something else and something, you know, bigger than myself, um, which was, that was one silver lining that definitely came out of all of this. Um, but I'm really grateful that I get the opportunity and I have that connection to the Dream Center. Um, I have seen lives be changed firsthand. Um, you know, I've known a lot of people who, you know, were strung out on drugs or alcohol and, you know, faced a lot of abuse from the beginning, but then I got to see them turn around and that's just honestly, there's nothing like it. And, you know, I am so grateful that I've had the opportunity to be raised around that and to be able to see all this stuff happen firsthand. Cause I know, you know, a lot of kids are sheltered and, you know, don't get to see this stuff firsthand. So um, you know, I am grateful for that opportunity and that my parents have raised me around that. And like you said, with the COVID and, and your attitude towards racing, it puts a lot of things in perspective sure. with our own life and the things that we have and, and how grateful we are for the things that we do have. Now, what exactly is the Dream Center for those that don't, to explain it for those that don't really know? So it's a nonprofit organization that helps with, um, homelessness. Um, it's a, there's also a one year, um, free rehab program that helps with drugs and alcohol and just getting you back on your feet. It helps you get your GED. And again, it's all for free, um, for them. And there's also, um, a program for homeless veterans, male and female, um, a program for human trafficking victims. Um, recently we've, there's been a startup of the restart learning center, which, which is helping a lot of the kids in the inner cities, um, uh, with their like schoolwork because you know LA County shut down all the schools, so it's providing tutoring service. Um, and I think one thing cool about the Dream Center is it adapts to what situation um, the state or the city is in. So with all everything getting shut down, um, the Dream Center adapted and um, helped people provide meals for their families because a lot of them can't work anymore, and and kids who I. 
actually went out on outreach a couple weeks ago and I was talking to this girl and she was saying how, oh, today's my first day of school. And I'm like, oh, wait, why aren't you in school? She's like, I don't know how to do it. And I was like, I felt really bad because a lot of these kids are not getting the education that they deserve. So I think, you know, having the Dream Center there as um, a resource is just really awesome and to see it adapt to the situations needed. Um, I know it's helped with hurricane relief. Um, so it does have its set like programs, but it also um, is willing to adapt and just help with any need is there, which I think is just so unique to um, other organizations. How can people donate or get involved? Is there, there's got to be a website or a, a Twitter or an Instagram or something. Where can people find it? Well, dreamcenter.org um, okay. is the website. Um, if you go onto the Instagram, uh, Dream Center's Instagram, my father's Instagram, Matthew Barnett, um, you'll also find other res- uh, ways to donate. Um, and you can actually see, because they're filming like what's happening on a day-to-day basis on their Instagrams, like like 24-7. So if you really want to get a feel for it, like just go onto the Instagram um, and they'll also provide more ways to for you guys to help out, whether it be donations of like, food, clothes, whatever you have, or um, money. Fantastic. Uh, So let's talk college. Uh, University of Virginia, um, a phenomenal school academically. Mm -hmm. Why did you choose Virginia? So um, I was looking at a very wide variety of schools. Very great academics, very great athletics. Like I was looking at a very wide variety. And then Virginia just seemed to have the best balance of both. Now, I've talked to a lot of schools where they say they have a good balance of both. But when I was talking to Coach Nicole, which is the assistant coach there, she was saying, you know, a lot of schools are going to say they're rebuilding or they're um, a balanced school, but they don't have the coach to prove it. And so University of Virginia has coach Vin Lanana, who has just such a history with distance running. He brought Stanford um, to a, a couple of national titles and Oregon. Um, he was the coach for the U.S. Olympic team um, in Rio. And so he just has this experience that many coaches don't have. And, you know, Virginia hasn't had a recent history of being great at distance running. But coach Vin Lanana just got there. And Coach Nicole just got there. And, you know, they both have just such great history with um, running. And they seem really dedicated to building up a great team. And I think it's going to be such a cool opportunity to be a part of building a team. Um, He's done this with Stanford where he'll have athletes from freshman year. And then their senior year, they win a national title. Um, So I think there's something unique about Virginia where – you're going to have this confidence that you're going to be a great runner, but you also get to be a part of building up a team, which is just so cool. And I'm so excited to be there and be a part of that. That's awesome. And and Virginia is a a insanely good academic school as well. Uh, Last thing before I let you go, Mia, I want to ask you five just off the wall questions. And however you answer that this is just kind of for fun. Okay. What is your go-to snack food? Oh, Oh, this is hard. Uh, strawberries and Nutella. Okay, your favorite candy bar. Uh, Kit Kat. Okay, pineapple on pizza, yes or no? No. 
Favorite ice cream flavor? Rocky Road. And what did you binge watch on Netflix or Hulu or Prime during the pandemic? Um, Beverly Hills 90210. <laughs> That's an oldie. Wow. My mom, actually, she's the one who told me to watch it, and I did. And I got really into it, and I was like, man, it looks so fun being in, like, the 90s and stuff. So, and not right now. <laughs> that is, yeah, I think it was more, it may have been the 80s. No, it was the 90s. Yeah, that's that's great. Well, Mia, I want to thank you uh, for taking the time out of your day to, to be on the podcast with me. Uh, I love your story. I think it's a great story. I, like everybody else, we are all hoping that we can have a season, whatever sport you guys are playing. It's, it's, it's terrible that, you know, things are getting taken away from you guys, like being in school and sports being taken away. So we're all hoping to, to have seasons whenever they're scheduled as far as what the CIF did. And, and I want to thank you again and wish you continued success from to the end of your high school career and into college. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been so much fun. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. And when you see Coach Evans, has he mentioned the the Dad's Club to you? No, he hasn't. Oh, ask him about the, the Golden Valley Dad's Club. Okay, I will. <laughs> yep. All right, Mia, thank you so much. Have, have a great uh, rest of your day. Thank you so much. You too. All right. If you enjoyed the podcast, please continue to listen. Please don't be shy about hitting the subscribe button. Um, you can email me at TonyMoskal at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at TonyMoskal. Uh, until the next time, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.